0: For the first time in more than five and a half years, we finally tonight have a few new answers to a question that has
1: loomed over Indiana and over the town of Delphi: Who killed Abby Williams and Libby Jones? The end of the bridge. To you got to go through. Now, I believe that the bodies were found about.
0: born from a family's grief and determination. 2020 army soldier vanessa guillen went missing while stationed at one of the largest military installations that little music in the background that goes don't be suspicious don't be suspicious. right knew about it or was there it's he's as guilty as the person who committed Chilling
1: details in the arrest of a suspected serial killer caught before he could strike again
2: him they they, they dropped the ball man like they said he went a1 Mm -hmm. and that he was a a deserter and nobody went to the
1: Today is not a day to celebrate with the arrest of Richard M. Allen of Delphi on two counts of murder. Like I said, we're going back. We were asked last time to kind of talk about the food, uh, the grub truck video and kind of give our perspective of it. The the press release from the police department indicated that they're still trying to put pieces together from that night. It, does that does that worry you in any, at any point uh, or at any bit that they're still trying to put those pieces together? It's been over five weeks since little Kaylee Anthony vanished. Her mother, Casey, has been arrested for lying to police. She's being held without bail.
0: Hey, greetings from the year 3000.
1: It still sucks. This is Philip J. Fry. And you're listening to... <laughs> The Drunken Turkey Show, your one stop for this sort of thing.
2: Hit that button, like, and subscribe. You know what to do, just like every other podcast.
1: What is up, everybody? Welcome back to The Drunk Turkey Show. I'm your host, Daniel J. Alongside with me, as always, Jaime G. and Big Blue. Uh, we're coming through on a Thursday night, a little special live, going over the uh, probable cause affidavit. Yep. I, think, I think we got some questions, y'all. Hi man, how you doing? And are you drinking with us tonight?
0: Yeah, man, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I just got out of work and I poured myself some Tito's. And uh I I'm a with refresh. Um it's pretty good. It works out. It's gonna work out it's better
1: than lesson, that. It works. It works. Oops. How, how are you doing, big blue? What are you uh what are you uh how are you doing? You drinking I'm doing tonight?
2: Good, man. Yes, sir. I'm off tonight. I'm off tonight. So I get to Enjoy a nice adult beverage, but I'm also mad at myself because I fell asleep before I can go to the gas station, so I couldn't get the beer I wanted. So poor me has to only drink whiskey.
1: Yeah, my life sucks. That sucks. Poor you. First world problems, bro. (laughs) Uh, I'm drinking another tall boy. I'm gonna have myself a modelo chilada mango chili. It's pretty good. Not gonna lie, I'm enjoying it. Um, What was the other time you got that? Uh, was it Smirnoff? Yeah, that uh, Tamarindo spicy yeah. something another. It was all right, it was all right, you know. It kind of gave me a little bit of heartburn towards the end of the night, though. <laughs> I bet, it I is bet. what it is. Uh, I know I saw earlier in the comment section some folks were asking how to get a hold of us. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me put that up real quick. Oh,
0: yeah, that was my you, job, and
1: I forgot to do it. You can you can reach us at drunk, drunk turkey show at gmail.com. And or we're also on Facebook at the Drunk Turkey Show, Instagram at Drunk Turkey Show and Twitter at at Drunk Turkey Show. So um, if you email us, reach us out, more than likely it's me that answers back. Sometimes the time is sometimes it's blue. But today, the uh, probable cause affidavit in the incident with the in Moscow, Idaho, um, was released for Brian Koberger. I read through it once, read through it twice, and you know I still got quite a bit of quite a bit of questions. Put some things on some maps. Um, we'll go over those. Hyman, um, did you get a chance yet to read the uh, probable cause affidavit?
0: Yeah, yeah, I did I read it? Um, I'm gonna be honest, man. I read it two and a half times
1: uh-huh.
0: <laughs> the second time I had to jump on here. <laughs> <laughs> the, the the second the half. So, but no, yeah, man, like dude. I feel the same. I feel like there's some, there's some things that are kind of like missing, you know what I mean?
1: For sure, for yeah. sure. What about you, Big Blue? Did you get a chance to read the uh, PCA yet?
2: Yeah, yeah. It took me a little bit of time, too. I, I was super tired this morning after work, so I had to break it up and read it in a few, a few sessions. But I got it.
1: Nice. So for those that are new here, what we do is we will read the uh, probable cause affidavit, break it down, and and give a um, our opinion and our, our speculation on what we're reading and our understanding of what we see. Um, let's get into it, y'all, without further ado. And we're going to be breaking up within this. It's not just going to be us reading this. We're going to read it, and then also I'm going to bring up some maps, some pictures, and some questions. And so it starts off with... Um, uh, this is Exhibit A statement of Brett Payne. Uh, the below information is provided by Brett Payne, who is duly appointed, qualified acting peace officer with the County of Lata, State of Idaho. Brett Payne is employed by the Moscow Police Department, is in the official capacity of or position of Corporal, and has been trained a qualified peace officer for approximately four years. Corporal Payne is being assisted by members of the Idaho State Police and agents of the Federal Bureau of investigation. So on November 13th, 2022, at approximately uh, 4 p.m., Moscow Police Department and PD, Sergeant Blaker and I responded to 1122 King Road in Moscow, Idaho, hereafter the King Road residents to assist with the scene security and processing of a crime scene associated with four homicides. Upon arrival, the Idaho State Police (ISP) forensic team was on scene and was preparing to begin the processing of the scene. MPD Officer OFC Smith, one of the initial responding officers to the incident, advised he would walk me through the scene. So, I have a virtual tour of uh, of the scene. Thank you very much to one of our great um, followers emailed that to us before the show. I appreciate it. Uh, it goes. O.F. Smith and I entered the King Road residence through the bottom floor door on the north side of the building. O.F.C. Smith and I then walked up the stairs to the second floor. O.F.C. Smith directed me down to the hallway west to the bedroom on the second floor, which I later learned through uh, Zanna's driver's license and other personal belongings found in the room was Zanna Cronodal, hereafter Kernodal room. Just before this room, there was a bathroom door on the south wall of the hallway. As I approached the room, I could see a, a body later identified as Cronodos laying on the floor. Cronodos was deceased with wounds which appeared to have been caused by an edged uh, weapon. So, let's uh, let's look at this. So this is the inside of the house. They entered through this door and went up the stairs. As he began to walk this way into this direction, he saw that there was a uh, body in the uh, in the bedroom. So this is the uh, bedroom here. Now back here, along the uh, the back wall on the outside of the uh, of this residence is where that red substance, believed to have been um, possibly. Blood was dripping from the back there. And apparently Cronodal was laying somewhere here. From what I understand, do you guys, is that what you guys gathered as well?
0: Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, It didn't didn't say anything about uh, anybody being in the hallway or nothing. Uh, What I took from
1: it, they were both inside the the room. Exactly. Yeah, I agree. And this
2: one, you know, Zana's on the floor. It doesn't say where Ethan
1: was at. But. It doesn't mention where Ethan's at. You're right. <clears throat> I found that to be odd. Yeah. Right. Oh, it says also in the room was a male later identified as Ethan Chapman, therefore, after Chapman. Chapman was also deceased with wounds later determined by autopsy report, and then it's redacted. I wonder why they redacted that. No, sure. That's that is that is
0: weird. When I saw that, I was like, "Hmm, I wonder why it's uh, redacted."
1: I, I mean, think it was he the only one that had redacted injury um, description. Yeah, I believe so. Hmm.
0: Uh, even even location, like that doesn't say anything about his the location of the body.
1: It's I all wonder redacted. if something was staged. Hmm. Maybe could be if a possibility. If something was staged, or. You know, we we speculated that this guy, uh, you know, he studied in the University. You know, his professor worked, you know, with BTK, and and there, we we put out a video with connections to BTK and to Ted Bundy. We, we highly recommend you go watch that. Um, could it be that there there may have been a scene here of that T? in btk
0: um yeah i think the possibility is there especially because everything that that they could have said about uh, ethan is all redacted you know what i mean
1: yeah that's redacted and the other thing is too later on if what dylan says to be correct she states that she hears somebody say it's okay i'm here to help you or something like that um uh, would that be some kind of game
0: It could be, Uh, and for example, BTK. um, Before he did the strangulation, he would kind of put the his victims at ease. You know, I mean, oh, he'll put a pillow under their head. The he'll bring them water and stuff like that right before he strangled them.
1: And um, oh wait, you know what? It says right here. I'm so sorry. (laughs) It's not redacted. It says to be caused by sharp force injuries. My apologies i saw this part and i was like why is it redacted um all right so our bad our bad 100 should have yeah, read that better
0: yeah but like it still doesn't say um
1: uh, where he was located
0: yeah where he was located
1: Or like, i mean i w- i would speculate that he was probably leaned up against the wall back there if you look at this well, this is where they suspect through the the bed to been he may have attacked him there, threw him down, chased Cronodal here and. Um, you know what I mean? Finished. The job there. Interesting. Yeah. All right. So <clears throat> we'll continue. I then followed OFC Smith up the stairs, up the stairs to the third floor of the residence. The third floor consisted of two bedrooms, one bathroom. The bedroom on the West side of the floor was later determined to be Kaylee Goncalves hereafter Goncalves room. I later, I later learned from review of officer Nunn's body camera. There was a, there was a dog in the room when Moscow police officers initially responded. The dog belonged to Goncalves and ex-boyfriend Jack DeCore. I found out that in my interview with Jack DeCore on November 13, 2022, that he and Goncalves shared a dog. OC Smith then pointed out a small bathroom on the East side of the floor of the third floor. This bathroom shared a wall with Madison Mogan's hereafter Mogan bedroom, which was situated on the southeast corner of the third floor. So let's kind of, let's go back over here and look at that. So he then went to the third floor. Completely missed. Well, you know what? He, he just went straight from there to the third floor. Didn't look in the bedroom here or in the uh in the kitchen yet? I guess he's just trying to identify where the victims were. Okay, so there's. Wait a minute. That said, that there was a, that these two shared a bathroom, didn't it?
0: I think what I don't know. So I think I believe it says that the the bathroom itself is uh, right behind. Uh, uh, what's her name?
1: This bathroom shared yeah. a wall with, Ma- Mo, yeah, Mogas. Yes. Yeah, this yeah.
0: bedroom.
1: Yeah. Okay, yeah, no, it doesn't say that they share it that way. All right, so he went in there, then he he went into Kaylee's room, and Kaylee's room is where the dog was at, and then he went into uh this bedroom here, which is where Madison's room is at. Oops, I on all right. In Kaylee's room is where the dog was at. He goes, as I entered his bedroom, I could see two females in a sink in the single bed in the room. Both Goncalves and Mogan were deceased with visible S wounds. I also later noticed that they appeared to be a tan leather knife sheath laying on the bed next to Mogan's right side. When viewed from the door, the sheath was later processed and had K-Bar U S M C. And the United States Marine Corps eagle globe and anchor insignia stamped on the outside of it. <clears throat> the Idaho State Lab later ad- located a single source of male DNA, suspect profile left on the button of the uh, snap there. So let's um, pull that up real quick. A second. So this is the one that we suspect is the uh, the sheaf and the uh, knife in general. There's the button. There's the insignia, USMC. Mm-hmm. So. Do you find that odd that he left that behind?
0: Yeah, if, if anything, if, look. If the crime was committed, I don't think it would be laid next to the body, but I think it would be somewhere on the floor, you know what I mean? Mm Kind of, almost looks, I don't want to say, but it kind of looks kind of staged, you know? Planted? Yeah, kind of staged, maybe, I don't know. I would have it on
2: my belt loop, you know?
0: Exactly, exactly. Why, why, Why take it separately?
1: Yeah, like, it doesn't say that it was broken or torn off or anything. And and it sounds like he, according to this, forgot it, right? OK, let's continue. I got more questions about this, but we'll be at, we'll be asking those here in a second. Based on numerous interviews conducted by MPD officers, ISP detectives and FBI agents, as well as my review of the evidence, I have learned the following on the even on the evening of November 12th, 2022, uh, Chapman and Cronodal are seen by BF and at the uh, Sigma Chi house. So that's by Beth, Bethany uh, Funky. She's one of the uh, surviving roommates. Uh, she sees chapman and Cronodal at the Sigma Chi University uh, house um, located at 735 Nesbur's Drive uh, f- from approximately 9 PM to 145 a.m on november 13 bf also is estimated that approximately 145 chapin and crinoda returned to king road residence bf also stated that Chapin did not live uh, in the king road residence but was a guest of crinotal Goncalves and Mogan were at a local bar at the corner club at 202 north main street uh, in moscow Goncalves and Mogan can be seen on video footage provided by the corner club between 10 p.m on November 12th and 1.30 a.m. on November 13th. At approximately 1.30 a.m., Mogan can be seen at a video at a local food vendor called The Grub Truck at 318 South Main Street in downtown Moscow. The Grub Truck live streams video from their food truck and streaming platform Twitch, which is available for public viewing on their website. This video is captured by law enforcement. A private party blank reported that he had provided a ride to and at approximately 1.56 a.m. from downtown uh, Moscow. In front of the grub truck to the King Road residence, a DM, which is uh, Dylan Mortenson, also the uh, surviving other surviving roommate, and BF both made statements during interviews that indicated the occupants of the King Road residence were home by 2 a.m. and asleep, or at least in their rooms, by approximately 4 a.m. This is with the exception of kernol who received a DoorDash order at the residence at approximately 4 a.m. Law enforcement identified the DoorDash delivery driver who reported this information. We actually have a picture of that. Let me um try to pull that up real quick.
2: See, that's what I, I was wondering. Like, if he got, came in, like when they went out to get their DoorDash and they left the door open, if he just walked in at that time.
0: Yeah, I'm wondering if the DoorDash guy. Saw that a vehicle out there parked that similar to the one, you know, the one this this the drone. Maybe he was already out there, you know.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm curious about that myself. All right, here it is. I don't know why it keeps popping up this way. Say? So right here, you have the uh, Jack in the Box for Xana. It's a it looks like it's open. Um, If they got there at 4 a.m.. This is downstairs or this is in the uh, kitchen. I would assume they probably, you know, at least finished their meal in their room and took it back to the kitchen or ate in the kitchen, which is why it's there, right? Yeah. And so I would assume that if the guy made entry through the um, the backsliding door, um, that would be an issue. He would have to be hiding. If he made entry at the same time that they went out to pick up their grub truck or their 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 Uber Eats or whatever it was.
0: Yeah. Right? Or or if they
1: were eating in the kitchen. So either or That kind of—that's weird, though. I mean, not weird. Do you guys see where I'm going with it? Like, they got their food. They had to finish their food and put the food bag in here before the guy made entry, unless he was hiding somewhere while they were eating and doing all that other stuff. Because they went to—they didn't go to their room. Mm -hmm. They—they went to the kitchen at some at some point.
0: Yeah.
1: You get what I'm saying? Mm
2: All right. My theory is you probably came in during that delivery because, you know, you, you walk out to get, get the delivery. Well, sometimes they leave it at your doorstep. That's the thing. Sometimes they leave it at your doorstep. So, it's just open your door, get it, come in. So, it's hard for somebody to get. To. But sometimes, some delivery drivers leave it more towards the, I see people leave it at the end of the driveway because they want to go drop it off at your door. So, it's just, who knows where they placed it.
1: Right. Right. So... <clears throat> When I've ordered food and every place is different, they've always left it at the door, especially since. um, You know, C-19 stipulations and, you know, no touching and things of that nature has been a rule for a while. Um, You know, every place is different, but, uh, you know, where I've had food delivered, they leave it at the front step of the door. So let's continue. DM stated she originally went to sleep in her bedroom on the southeast side of the second floor. What does she mean by originally? Like, did she fall asleep somewhere else, or, or did she ha- or did she change her story at one point?
0: Uh, it could have been that, or maybe she was uh, originally uh, staying in the bottom on the first floor, and then moved up there, maybe.
1: No, it would have been the other way around. But she doesn't say that she went to sleep in another bedroom. You know, we'll, we'll read the paragraph and then we'll go back, right? It says DM stated that she originally, and I have a question about that word, originally went to sleep in her bedroom in the southeast side of the second floor. DM stated she was awoken at approximately 4 a.m. by what she stated sounded like Goncalves playing with her dog in one of the upstairs bedrooms, which were located on the third floor. A short time later, DM said she heard what she thought was Goncalves say something to the effect there's someone here. So that was after she had heard what sounded like Goncalves playing upstairs with a dog. A view of records obtained by Forensic downloaded Knurdle's phone and showed that this could have been Kernurl as uh, as her cellular phone indicated she was likely awake and using TikTok app at approximately 4.12 a.m. So what could have happened or what I'm assuming happened is as she went out to get the uh, DoorDash, the suspect entered, went upstairs, and was committing the crime um, with with Kaylee and Maddie uh, in the third floor. Does that make sense to you guys?
0: Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just a, what is it, 4 o'clock in the morning? Right. And 412. Um, what I think is, they said that DM heard Xana, uh, right, said that?
1: She said she heard, no, she heard what sounded like Kaylee saying. I think there's uh, there's someone here.
0: Yeah, but on the, towards the end of the paragraph, it says it could have been Zana saying that, right?
1: Yeah, it says that they believe that it could have been Zana saying that because she was likely awake using TikTok app at approximately four twelve a.m. Well, was well, wasn't she the one who ordered the DoorDash around the time? Yeah, the DoorDash was uh, arrived at four o'clock.
0: Oh, okay, but that's what I'm saying. Like, maybe she said that because DoorDash was there. You
1: know what I mean? Um, maybe that's possible. Um. That someone's here because the DoorDash guy is up front. Yeah.
0: yeah. Or, you know, maybe she saw lights or something from up front. Yeah.
1: The other thing is that...
2: How many of DoorDash, they'll send you a text? Uh, or yeah. Send the, the, the picture of your food, so then there's mm-hmm. probably somewhere on there.
0: Mm-hmm. What's it called? When you... when? If you go back where it says originally, I think her, I think her statement might have changed. Actually, now that uh, yeah. you read the paragraph,
1: yeah, because it, it doesn't say that she ever left that room, but it says stated that she originally went to sleep in her bedroom. Is there like a change in that, like because something? it was reported
0: earlier, like really early on, that both of the uh, the surviving roommates were in the first floor, right?
1: Right, that's what I remember hearing. Yeah. So, DM DM heard somebody say it sounds that when somebody's here. So DM stated she looked out her bedroom window, her bedroom. I'm sorry, not the window. Looked out her bedroom, but did not see anything when she heard the comment about someone being in the house. DM stated she opened her door second time. And you know what? Let's look at where DM's house is. Or I mean, bedroom is. That way we have an idea of exactly where we're at. So, this is the living room. This is the stairway. This is where the kitchen is. This is uh, DM's room. Dylan Mortensen. And right above her room is Kaylee Goncalves' bedroom. Okay. So, she looked out this this door here. And didn't see anything. I mean, unless you didn't move, you're not going to see much from right here. That makes sense. Yeah, especially if it's super dark.
0: But right. don't, I don't. We don't know if any lights were on or it was super dark or
2: what. Well. Yeah. Right. Now, if she opened the door. You would hear the. You would hear the, the door open, but yeah, by that time it's probably trying to get out of there.
1: So she said she uh, looked out the bedroom door or bedroom, but did not see anything when she heard the comment about someone being in the house. DM stated she opened the door a second time when she heard what she thought was crying coming from Kernodal's room. DM then said she heard a male voice saying something to the effect. It's okay, I'm going to help you. At approximately 417, a security camera located at 1112 King Road, a residence immediately to the northwest 1122 King Road picked up a distorted audio of what sounded like voices or a whimper, followed by a loud thud. They're able to hear that somewhere else. And we've gotten reports of how much you can hear um, in that house.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And this girl was awake at this time. Yeah. A dog can also be heard barking numerous times starting at 417. The security camera is less than 50 feet from the west wall of Carnoval's bedroom. A dog can also be heard barking numerous times starting at 417. You think that's uh, Murphy, the uh, dog and Kaylee's dog? Um, it could be, but
0: I never heard. the. I don't think I heard the, the roommate say they heard the dog barking.
1: She didn't. So DM stated she opened her door for the third time after she heard the crying and saw a figure clad in black clothing, a mask that covered the person's mouth and nose walking towards her. So this guy was wearing a like a, like a C9, like C-19 or whatever you want to call it, those type of masks. Uh, N-19, the ones to, like a doctor's yeah. mask. Yeah. I mean, if, if this was Brian, that would make sense. You know, he would probably understand that breathing and, you know, saliva or any, you know, nose like uh, mucus from the nose that would create DNA. So that would make sense. Uh, DM described the figure as five foot ten or taller, maybe uh, not very muscular, I'm sorry, but athletically built with bushy eyebrows. The male walked past DM as she stood in a frozen, shocked face. The male walked towards the back sliding door. Uh, DM locked herself in her room after seeing the male. DM did not state that she recognized the male. This leads investigators to believe that the uh, actor left the scene. Mm-hmm. All right. So let's pull this back up.
2: The part that baffles me, man. You, saw so, something now.
1: you know what she didn't say? What's that? That this guy had a knife on him.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: The 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 sheath was left upstairs. Yeah, did, yeah. Why isn't you know you don't think you would notice that you notice the bushy eyebrows, mm-hmm. what he's wearing, the mask. I think you'd also notice a a knife in his hand too. That, definitely, and also like if
0: if the room was like if the hallway or the the kitchen light was on, like. And if this the suspect saw her looking at him you don't think he would have you know done the same to her like leave no witnesses yeah you know, and it's and if it was dark let's say if it was dark if all the lights were off and she's saying that she saw her his eyebrows in the dark it, it, that's if it was the one was dark you know what i mean
1: Now, maybe perhaps she didn't have the door all the way open. She may have had it creased.
2: I'm pretty sure you would have to have a little bit of light to walk. It's got to be like some kind of night lights or something. Because remember in those photos that, uh, well, that they show nighttime of the house, somebody had like a string of lights in one of the rooms. I think maybe that might be bright enough to see.
0: Maybe. Well, the ones from the kitchen outside the kitchen are really bright. I'm pretty sure all that light will come in through those sliding doors. Yeah.
1: Because mm-hmm. if he was if he was walking right, like, t- and he exited the glass, this 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 door here, right? Uh, he would have walked through here and turned this way and walk past this door. Mm-hmm. If she had this door cracked, she would have a uh, a visual of this angle here and she could see somebody walking through here with this door open slightly.
2: I, I can see yeah. her for somebody saying, you know, if he wasn't covered in blood and he was just walking out um how she? It's a party house, remember? So sometimes girls have guys over. Mm-hmm. It's not abnormal for guys to be that time of night.
1: Here's the other thing.
2: Be used to it, you know. Not trying to talk about people's.
1: Right, Nothing. but but the other thing is too. If he's walking out, then he had committed the uh, four crimes, right, in, in the in the house. In mm-hmm. the nature of the way they sounded, it sounded like he'd be covered in. In in their, uh, in their fluids, she don't yeah. describe him covered in it either.
0: Well, she also said that he was uh, covered. I mean, he had a black clothing. It's real hard to see. Um, you know, that's true. know on that kind of clothing. It's, mm-hmm. That's that's what I was I was thinking about earlier when she said that she was covered in. He had a black, you know, shirt and black pants. Um, even the mask supposedly was black, right?
2: Right. Yeah, and
1: that, it, it, go ahead.
2: One question that's out there is everybody's one that I've also wondered is I wonder if he was the DoorDash driver also.
1: Well, they said that they talked to him and they cleared him and Aaron. Yeah, no, I'm saying that when when Zanna and Ethan went out to get the DoorDash, I think that's when he answered, went upstairs, uh, found Maddie and, and Kaylee first mm-hmm. and then came down over here, to, But she never said she heard anybody walk down the stairs either. Yeah. She, but she then heard
2: the people next to her getting killed, but she heard the ones upstairs with the dog.
1: She heard the she heard what sounded like. Um, she said it sounded like Kaylee playing with a dog. And then afterwards, he walks back and according to her, walks towards the glass door, meaning that that's he left. I would assume he probably walked out the same way he walked in, uh, meaning that he probably did enter this direction.
0: But but if if he came down the stairs, oh wait wait, no, no no no, if he he came down the stairs right, I mean up the stairs. Well, he had to
1: have gone up the stairs up, and down the stairs, the stairs at least once,
0: and yeah. then came down at least once, right? But that's right. not the way that's not the time that that um um did saw him, right? He's that's after the – he went from the second floor to third, right?
1: Uh-huh. Mm-hmm.
0: Can you show me uh, Zana's um, room?
1: Yeah. So right here is Dylan's room in the hallway. To get to Zana's, you have to go to the living room. That's the living room. And then you go this way um, into the bedroom.
0: <clears throat> so even so, he had to see him. Um, um, didn't had to see the suspect face first, right? To notice uh, bushy eyebrows.
1: Right. So my assumption is that he did what he did here and left. Walked this way, this way, turned the corner, and maybe he didn't think or assume anybody else was here and was yeah. walking with a purpose walked this way, this way and didn't even notice, especially if she only had the door slightly open. Mm-hmm. The angle of this door, if somebody could see somebody walking in without it having to be wide open, it doesn't have to be wide open. And so, you know, he could have walked this direction and left and not even have realized that somebody was there.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Um But my my concern is. So it goes DM locked herself in her room after seeing the mail. DM did not state that she recognized the mail. This leads investigators to believe that uh, the suspect left the scene. Okay, and so the combination of DM statements to law enforcement reviews, forensic downloads of records from BF and DM's phone and video of the a video of a suspect and video of a suspect video as described below leads investigators to believe uh, the incident occurred between 4 a.m. and 425. But they have a video of a guy leaving at 420. Why are they giving him an extra five minutes? If what they believe is real, that the guy that they saw the vehicle speeding off at 420.
0: Uh, 420, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Why why, why put between 4, 4 o'clock and 425 unless you're trying to make something fit?
2: I want to thank Michelle L for a super sticker. She put it
1: on there. I just oh, saw thank- it right now. Thank you so much, Michelle. And we had a couple of new members earlier as well. We appreciate that. Cheers to you guys. Thank you so much. Cheers. Thank you for, for noticing that. Blue. All right, so <clears throat> during the process of the crime scene, investigators found a latent shoe print. This print was located during the second processing of the crime scene by ISP forensic team by first using presumptive blood test and then amino black a protein stain that detects the presence of cellular material the detective shoe print showed a diamond shaped pattern similar to the pattern of vans type shoe sole, just outside the door of dm's bedroom located on the second floor this is consistent with the dm statement regarding the suspect's path travel that's so. weird why they, i mean one shoe print
0: is that what yeah. you said? Just one mm-hmm. in front of DM's um, yeah. room, where are the rest of the footprints.
1: Yeah,
0: it's a long walk from the from even from the even from the third floor, and down, and then from Xana's to the front of DMs.
1: And the only way that they were able to pull this footprint out was uh, using—they uh, tested it for for blood, basically. He had stepped in it, and mm-hmm. it left that print right there.
0: It, it's a good little good. bit
1: odd. Yeah, it's a little bit odd. I'd agree. But this is a uh, the footprint that they were uh, referencing. I actually have those shoes, actually. But it wasn't oh, me. It wasn't you. Let's see. Let's go back to the affidavit
2: right. <clears throat> i don't know how to pronounce this name but we got another super sticker from x christina gx i guess is what you
1: call it. thank you so much christina we appreciate you cheers to you cheers all right so as part of the inve- wait, yeah, as part of the investigation extensive search commonly referred to in law enforcement as video canvas was conducted in the area of king road residence this video canvas was obtained by, by any footage from early mornings of November 13th and 22 in the area of King Road residents and the surrounding neighborhoods in efforts to locate the suspect or suspect vehicle traveling to or leaving from the King Road residence. This video canvas resulted in the collection of numerous surveillance videos in the area from both residential and business addresses. I've reviewed numerous videos uh, that were collected and have had conversations with the other MPD officers, ISP detectives, and FBI agents that um, are reviewing, similar reviewing the footage obtained. A review of camera footage indicated a white sedan hereafter. Suspect vehicle one was observed traveling westbound on the 700 block of Indian Hills Drive in Moscow at approximately 326 and at and westbound on Steyer Avenue at Idaho State 95 in Moscow at approximately 328. On this video, it appears that the suspect vehicle was uh, not displaying a front license plate. So let's find out where those addresses are first and foremost. The first one Indian the 700 block of Indian Hills Drive is over here. It is on the east side of Moscow complete opposite direction of where Brian would be coming at if he was coming from Pool Man, mm-hmm. um, Washington, and this is in a neighborhood that really doesn't make any sense to me as to why he would be in here. Um, unless he's exposing to something at 326, this is before the incident.
0: Oh, it's 326, I think 326
1: a.m. They got the first video of him oh, okay. it's right here on the 700 block of Indian Hills Drive at 326 p.m. I mean, a.m. This is away from this is where the this this is where their house is located at. And Brian, and it'll talk about it later. His apartment is over here in Pullman, Washington. So he would have somehow traveled this direction. Ended up, maybe he's just cruising around, I don't know, trying to, you know, kill time until until uh, he's ready to rock and roll there. But uh, he's over here at 326. At 328, they see him um, passing by on Steiner. Westbound at 328. This is where that A&W is. Now, they bring up the fact that it doesn't have a front license plate because it has Pennsylvania plates at this time. Yeah. And in Pennsylvania, you don't need a front license plate. So they're assuming because it doesn't have a front license plate that they're two in the same or that's an identifiable feature of this vehicle. Mm-hmm. So the vehicle coming in from the wrong direction heading towards the house, right? A review from the footage of multiple videos obtained by King Road Neighborhood showed multiple sightings of suspect vehicle one starting at 3.29 a.m. and ending at 4.20 a.m. So the vehicle that they saw here at 3.26 a.m. that was on the opposite side of where we would assume he'd be coming from yeah, um, is the vehicle that they have been following because they have video of it from 3.26 going to 3.29 all the way to 4.20. So the vehicle that they have, that they have videotaped in the whole nine yards is the same one, right? They're following its steps. Okay. Uh, these sightings show suspect vehicle one making initial three passes on 1122 King Road residents and then leaving via Valencia Drive. Um, based off of my experience as a patrol officer, this is a residential neighborhood with very limited number of vehicles that travel in the area during the early morning hours. Upon review of that video, there are only few cars that enter and exit that area this time frame. So let's go back here. Let's look it up. So they see this vehicle pass by three different times, from 329 to 320. You know what else it doesn't say? It doesn't say that they see the the, the DoorDash guy drive by and leave. Yeah. I found that to be interesting. Or even, but uh, uh, Even the the Uber
0: or whatever it is.
1: Right. And so passes by three times and then they're seen leaving on Willenta Drive, which means that this vehicle turned this direction, this direction, this is Willenta Drive, and headed down this street, down this direction after 420 AM. So this is Willenta. All right, let's go back to the affidavit. Suspect vehicle one can be seen entering the area of four time at approximately 4.04. It can be seen driving eastbound on King Road, stopping, turning around in front of 500 King Road, number 52, then driving back.
2: I up Palmer for her super sticker.
1: Oh, thank you very much, Palmer. Wait, I don't see it. The oh, there it is. There it is. Thank you so much, Ms. LL Palmer. We appreciate you. All right, so. When the suspect vehicle is in front of the King Road residence, it appears to unsuccessfully attempt to park or turn around in the road. The vehicle then continued to the intersection of Queen Road and King Road, where it can be seen completing a three point turn and then driving eastbound again down Queen Road. The vehicle is next seen departing the area of King Road residence at approximately 420 AM at a high rate of speed. A suspect vehicle is observed traveling southbound on Willen to Drive, based on my knowledge of the area. And review camera footage in that neighborhood, it does not show the suspect vehicle one during that time frame. I believe that suspect vehicle one is likely in the neighborhood or likely exited the neighborhood at Palouse River Drive and Constoga Drive. Palouse River Drive is the southern edge of Moscow and proceeds into Whitman County, Washington. Eventually, the road leads to Pullman, Washington. Pullman, Washington is approximately 10 miles from Moscow, Idaho, both Pullman. And Moscow are small cottage towns or college towns. I'm sorry. And people commonly traveling back and forth between them. So let's go back real quick. So it is seen traveling southbound on the Lentz Drive, right? And that is the last time they have officially saw it. Now, what he says is that it is his assumption that they exited here. Um, this is the only exit that leads to Palouse River Drive. Yeah. And that this this road here travels to 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 Pullman, Pullman, right? Yeah. Here's my thing. I don't understand why they put that there, because they have, and we'll look at this later. But they have Brian pinging um, his phone down here near Blaine, down here near Genesee, over here at union 10 and then going back up this direction so based on based on that alone they already know that it's unlikely that he traveled this direction yeah got- so why put that in the probable cause affidavit
2: we got a big fat poster man and marlene Ingle. thank you for the super sticker guys
1: thank you thank you so much we appreciate you guys so do you guys see what I'm saying? They they have they, they're they're based on this up to this point. This probable cause affidavit would make you believe that they suspect that this uh, that Brian went this direction towards Pullman. Yeah, Should but that's home? not the case. That's not the case because later on it gives us ping directions over here, over here, over here, and him driving around over here. What were the what were the times on this? Uh, the, the time was just at 4:20. The pings were later on. One's at 4:48. One's at uh 450, between 4:50 and 5:26. He was traveling this direction, at 4:50 uh, and and then headed towards Uniontown, and by 5:30, somehow he's in um he's already in Pullman. He's he's back at his apartment, pretty much. Well, no, he's not back at his apartment. He's no. but he's he's traveling through it. But you know, the police put some contradicting stuff in here. And not only that, they misspell, they put the wrong addresses, they put avenue instead of road and, and some of these things. And I found that to be very sloppy. I found that to be, this is a high profile case. And even at that, this is a felony one, uh, you know, DP type of situation case. This is of the highest of priority. Yeah. You would assume that they would have their, their stuff correct. You know, they were very sloppy in reading this when I was going through the addresses, the time frames. They don't make sense sometimes. You have to really go back know. and read it.
2: Uh-huh. No, Michael I in the super chat. He's got a question for y'all. He's got eight hours to cops called how did he not
0: smell and then he put a knife.
1: Thank you, Mike, Michael Meyer. We appreciate you. Mike. Um Oh
0: I think you said Michael Myers.
1: <laughs> how did she not smell? Well, well I don't know there's a lot of questions there there's yeah. a lot of questions to be honest with you i i am a little bit suspicious about this testimony to be honest with you and i don't think this is very strong yeah uh, just being 100 we we did the uh probable cause affidavit on richard allen and that one in my opinion is significantly more stronger than this one yeah. um i get they have the dna on the on the on the strap there but yeah
0: it, but it, the it, the richard Allen one the the, the timeline you know, adds up.
1: Yeah, the timeline definitely adds up. Like they have him peeing at his house at, at at 242 AM. And so by 242 to 326, so 40 minutes later, they have him driving in front of this house over here. Apparently. And so is it doable to get there in that amount of time? Yeah but how does he not get pinged anywhere else in this city
0: except when he goes south right
1: except for when it's time to like like i would i would put on there i mean i'm not talking pinged i'm talking about seen on any business on any footage. camera system footage of all these kinds why isn't he seen anywhere until 326 from this area so in other words he's seen go into the or this there's
0: footage of this car traveling to this place, but mm-hmm. not, there's no footage of the car coming in, right mm-hmm. from, from into the city, right?
1: Right. And so, Ryan, I mean, John O'Rourke, appreciate it. says, running late. I need an aerial breakdown. Thanks, fellas. I don't think the Popo got this 100% correct. Just much speculation, still unknown. Is DM innocent? Heard anything more about the DoorDash? We're talking about that. We're looking at the aerial breakdown of where he was pinged at, where he was at, at uh, as far as the video footage of him. Um, and we're also looking. we talked about DM. We'll, we'll talk more about what she was saying here in a little bit. There isn't anything on the DoorDash as far as what we can see, and the Pablo cause affidavit doesn't talk about that. Thank you so much for your ten dollars super chat. We appreciate. It. I think Thank they're you.
2: saving it for the, like all the other cases. They're gonna save it for the court. Um, they're gonna have a lot more evidence there to present, but I think the pinging of him being there—I think, to me, they, 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 I think they got him. But that's my opinion.
0: The, the the thing is, this is a, a, a probable cause to arrest someone, to to charge someone with a crime. It has to be, you know, crossed T's, dotted eyes, man.
1: Yeah, that and like. It, this you know i understand there's probably more uh, this is all that they're showing just because just to get the arrest but they have some stuff that's in here that doesn't make sense like why put on there that they suspect that he came out this direction because there's a short you know a short path to to the city that he's at when they know that the that he pinged down here
2: i think he went to go ditch the knife somewhere
1: Maybe,
0: not on the normal route home. But even 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 if that was the case, he has a background of criminal uh, criminology. He was he should know that he could be tracked down with you know by by the you towers.
1: Know, mm. Right. You know I mean? Yeah, I mean he he we'll get into because he had a uh, requested to work with Pullman Pullman Police Department, and in reference to something like that, and we'll we'll talk about that so. Law enforcement officers provide video footage of suspect vehicle one to forensic uh, examiners in the the FBI that regularly utilize surveillance footage to identify a year, make and model of an unknown vehicle that was observed by one or more cameras during the commission of a criminal offense. The forensic examiner was was approximately 35 years in law enforcement experience with 12 years in the FBI. Specific training includes I I don't care. After reviewing the numerous observations suspect vehicle one, the forensic examiner initially believed that the suspect vehicle one was a 2011, to 13 Hyundai Elantra. So initially they, they thought it was the, uh, the 11 to 13 upon further review, he indicated that it could also be a 2011 to 1600 Elantra upon for what further review when they discovered that he had a 2015, is that what changed the, uh, the, 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 the year range was that the person that they were, Believe that it was had a 2015, not a 2011
0: or 13. It could be, or maybe they have you know uh, a lot more footage.
1: Thank you, Jeff. I'll be looking at that here briefly. We'll, well, I'll take a look before we get off. Thank you so much, and thank you for your two dollars super chat. I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. If you guys aren't following him already on on Facebook? Go, go find him. He's he sent us the uh, the video yesterday that we broke down on the traffic stop, and then we have Patricia with a five dollar says. Inside looking talked about Jack in the box knife sheath and a path of the uh, who is inside looking Brian accomplice or cop with information. Um, I would think probably the latter. I don't think that um, I honestly don't think Brian was involved in um, too much of the uh, calling in or stuff or trying to expose himself or put himself in, in, in into this case that much. We'll get further into it. All right. So it, it was my, changed to
2: question on there for you. Uh, super chat.
1: When I is, saw them describe their cries for help, heartbreaking. Yeah, I agree. And one thing that kind of make me question DM's story is she said she heard granola crying. You know that means that she was alive at that point. Mm-hmm. Um you don't think Canodo would have yelled?
0: Yeah. Not only that, but like I don't know how close they were, you know what I mean? But like usually when that happens, like they you know console yeah, each other.
1: Yeah, yeah, and yeah. or like even if even. okay. So what I'm saying is like, I find what Karnoto saying is to be deceptive. I would have assumed that. I mean, I would know what DM is saying is to be deceptive, because I would assume that Kernodal would have yelled, warned the other people in the house, something to that nature. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm.
0: No, and
1: no. By, based on her, on what she's saying, everybody was alive. I mean, awake during the commission of the crime.
0: Mm hmm.
1: Right. Nobody was asleep. Uh, Which goes contradicts to what the police said early on in this investigation uh, that they were sleeping when they were attacked.
0: Yeah, not only that, but like she said she could hear the no what they were saying, but she couldn't hear anything else like a scuffle or nothing like that.
1: Right. Well, unless the when she said she heard um, what sounded like Maddie playing or Kaylee playing with the dog was was maybe they were asleep and and this individual got the jump on them. But what Acor- about yeah, according to Xan and Ethan, based on what they were saying is at least Xana was awake during the time because she was on TikTok. Mm-hmm. You know what no, I'm saying?
0: To, she, was wearing, she was waiting for the DoorDash too.
1: Right. They had just eaten and uh, I would assume that Ethan was probably awake eating with her, you know, something of that nature. So it's odd, man. It's odd. Let's see. Uh, investigators were given access to footage from Washington State University (WSU) campus located in Pullman, Washington. A review of that video indicated approximately two forty-four a.m. on November thirteenth, a white sedan, which can which was consistent with the description of the white Elantra known to be known as suspect vehicle one, was observed on WSU surveillance cameras traveling north on Southeast Nevada Street at Northeast Stadium Way. At approximately uh, 2.53 a.m., a white sedan, which is consistent with the description of the white Elantra known as Suspect Vehicle 1, was observed traveling southeast on Nevada Street in Pullman, Washington, towards SR-20. SR-20 connects Pullman, Washington, to Moscow, Idaho. Uh, this camera is from Pullman, Washington, was provided to the same FBI forensic examiner. The forensic examiner identified the vehicle observed Pullman, Washington, being a 2014-16 Hyundai Elantra. Let's go check this out real quick so and i don't and i'm I'm assuming that this vehicle didn't have a front license plate and that's why they're assuming that this is the same vehicle but according to them at 244 uh they saw a vehicle traveling north on nevada street from stadium way so this is stadium way and this is nevada street and this is the only north aspect that ends right here all right so and this is at 244, yet at 242, he was pinged at his house over here. Okay. And then at 250 at um what was it? It was uh so right here, SR20, he was seen heading down this direction at what was it? Uh at 253. So according to this he was uh, he came here uh, to the college or, or here one of these two places and he was there parked or something for a little bit and then headed towards SR 270, which does go to Moscow uh, this direction. their main their main drive. it's the main main road. so according to this he took the main road there. And based on his pings and stuff, took this way long ass route back. But all right, so let's go. How long is that drive? Like 20 minutes or so, 25. It's not very long. Let me see. Um, The thing is, uh, uh, like, my
2: theory, my theory, uh, he wouldn't have been covered with a lot of blood, if uh, because when maybe the, when he did the two kills in the second floor, probably so he would have had a little bit of blood. But upstairs, I think they each only had one knife wound, right? Um, like
1: one knife wound. According to Kaylee's dad, she had significantly more wounds than Zan, uh, than than Madison. That you know, he described it as. He, made, he assumed and made it seem like she was possibly one of the targets.
2: Yeah. She was the last one. So It was the ones upstairs. Yeah. yeah.
1: So from here, uh, if he would have taken off, he would have gone down this direction and then turned here. Uh, this is from his apartment complex, not the middle of Pullman. So it's still going to be somewhere around 20 minutes to 20, 25 minutes to get there. Uh, for, and this is from his address to the 700 block of Indian Hills, where, where mm-hmm. he was seen over here. Yeah. So, I
0: don't know. It just doesn't make sense that, you no, know, that the other two roommates didn't hear much more than they actually did.
1: Right. And and what doesn't make sense about this is that at 2:44 he's traveling. Oops, wrong. One. At 244, he's traveling north on northeast Nevada Street. So he's he's traveling this direction. And so what are they saying that he uh, he left here and then it took him two minutes to get. But the thing is, it doesn't say they see him driving through here. Later on, when they see him going home, they have points here, here. This is at five twenty seven. So when he, they claim that he went home at five twenty seven, they, they see his vehicle traveling here, here, here. They, they follow him right up to this direction. But yet they don't have any cameras of him getting there, except for the fact that at two forty four, he's traveling here. Now, I can you do me a favor? Can you look up? The. Um, oh, somebody's phone's going off. Um, the fastest route from his address to this address here, because if it's only two minutes, he, he's not taking back roads. He's he's going the fastest route, but, and, and those streets are, I believe his address was, uh, man, I have it over here. His address is 1630 Northeast Valley Road in Pullman, Washington. let's see how. Say huh? that again. Say that again. Oh, snap. Hit the wrong button. <laughs> His address is
0: 1630
1: Northeast Valley Road in Pullman, Washington. And I want you to look up the address on. Uh, it is on uh, Northeast Nevada Street. Uh, do, you, do you know how long it takes to get there? Uh... And screenshot that and send it to me in the uh, in the group chat. I want to see what that route is. All right. So uh, there's camera footage from Pullman, Washington, was provided to the same FBI forensic examiner. The examiner identified the vehicle observed in Pullman, Washington, as being a 2014 to 16 Honda Elantra. At approximately 5:26 or 5:25 a.m., a white sedan, which is consistent with the description of the vehicle, was observed on five cameras in Pullman, Washington uh and on wsu campus cameras the first camera recorded the white sedan located at 1300 johnson road in pullman we have a five dollar super chat says what was the same morning was it the same morning as daylight saving time the times don't add up for me no daylight saving time was the week before it was november 6th this was one week after good question good catch yeah the times aren't adding up to me either so at 525 the white sedan consistent with the vehicle was Seen at the 1300 Road, Johnson Road in Pullman. So let's pull that up real quick. And this is where it, it talks about. So it talks, it sees them right here in front of uh, this Jehovah's Witness uh, church and this uh, this business here. Then it travels uh, northbound on Bishop Boulevard and then on SR20 or 2070 slash Main Street. And then it comes this direction, then it is seen right here at the same intersection of Northeast Nevada and Stadium Drive at 527. And then it's seen traveling north on Stadium Way and Grimsway, Stadium Way and Wilson. And then it says this travels north on Stadium Way and Cougar Way. Now it doesn't say if it stays on Stadium Way or Cougar Way, but this is sort of the direction that they would be traveling. My assumption is if he's going to his apartment, he's probably traveling this direction and then came came up that way. But I mean, he could have gone around as well. Two options there, but the uh, PC doesn't say it. So <clears throat> just to kind of reiterate that, uh, the first camera is seen at 1300 Johnson Road. White sedan obs- observed traveling northbound on Johnson Road. Johnson Road leads directly to the back of um, West Polus Drive in Moscow. See, again, they're saying that this street here goes from, you know, leads back. So even at this point, they're saying that they saw him at the, at this one, right? They're indicating right here that he came down this road because this road goes directly to to Moscow, right? Down in front of that other area. So this is the second time that they're saying now what doesn't make sense here is if he left at 420 and he took the fastest route because they said that he left at a high rate of speed. It don't take no one hour and six minutes to get over here. You know what I'm saying? That doesn't that that doesn't add up.
2: See, my question about the affidavit. And I was listening to the court hearing earlier. It said he was also being accused for. For burglary, but not B and E. I, I'm breaking and entering, you know what I mean? Well, that's like, part of the burglary.
1: Bur- that's part of the burglary. Oh, okay. It's and felony burglary, too. So, it, It's similar to, like, in Texas, where... Um, I thought maybe it took
2: souvenirs.
1: Right. No. Uh, the burglary aspect of it. So, in Texas, you have a regular burglary of habitation. And um, that's just basically if you broke in with the intent to steal something. But if uh, there's a um, there's a. um, Where it increases in uh, in the charge goes to felony one. If you go in there to commit a um, an assault, uh, a kidnapping and some other things. Right. And they enhance it. There you go. It's an enhancement. And so it enhances to felony one. And that also includes S.A. So, for instance, if. If. Here in Texas, if somebody were to break into someone's house and commit an SA, that would be a felony too, if you only charged them with SA. But since they broke into the house and committed an SA, that is an enhancement to the burglary. And so the charge on the burglary would be first degree burglary, first degree felony. And so it's a higher charge, even though, the name sort of doesn't fit it you know what i'm saying you would assume the sa would be higher because of it but it's the enhancement of the SA onto the burglary that increases that enhancement i hope that made sense
2: yeah yeah, yeah. i just the way is they named it i'm used to hearing bne for breaking and entering Mm -hmm. burglary right
1: and so these guys are saying that they see him traveling up this road that this road here is um, Johnson goes to goes down to this road here that goes straight to um, Palouse River Drive, which is where they suspected that this guy had exited and went home. But incident occurred at 420. He took off. He got home at 526 an hour later down this road. Does that make sense to y'all? It don't make sense to me so here at this point they're still pointing out that they're they're putting that together right they're saying that johnson road when we saw him that leads back to moscow it intersects with kustanga drive the white sedan was observed turning north on bishop boulevard uh, west on sr278 approximately 527 the elantra was observed on cameras traveling northbound on stadium way nevada street stadium way Way, stadium drive seeing this the other it says stadium drive it's stadium way and wilson road stadium way and cougar way uh, and so they put out a really bad map that you can't see showing the white elantra's path to travel not to scale and so can't really tell what they're showing there <clears throat> on november twenty fifth, 2022 mpds area law enforcement agencies to be on the lookout for a white honda Elantra in the area November 29th, 2022 at approximately at twelve twenty eight 28 a.m. But here's the other thing they're not putting out here. They said that they went and got uh, investigators were given access to video footage at Washington State University campus. Why were they asking for footage at Washington State campus? Do you think they already had an idea that it was him by then?
0: Could be. Could be. I think so.
1: You know what I'm saying? You think uh, that's where
2: they found the car. Says the, the campus police found the car. Yeah. And they and then they also saw that he misses he matched the description of you know the bushy eyebrows.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And so uh oh, it's alright, Hyman. I don't worry about it. We'll figure it out later. Uh so. Uh, on November 29th at approximately 1228, Washington State University police officer Daniel Tango uh, queried with queried white elantras registered at WSO. As a result of that query, he located a 2015 Elantra with Pennsylvania license plate LFZ 8649. This vehicle is registered to Brian Koberger, hereafter Koberger, residing at 1630 North Northeast Valley Road, ap- Apartment 201 in Pullman, Washington. Uh, so this is on November 25th, is when they I guess got the possibility that it was, it was Brian Cobert, right? Um, 1630 Northeast Valley Road is approximately three quarters of a mile from the intersection of Stadium Way and Cougar Way. Last camera location that picked up the white Elantra. The same day at approximately 12 58 a.m. WSU officer Chris Curtis Whiteman was looking for a White Honda Elantra and located at 2015 White Hyundai Elantra at 1630 Northeast Valley Road in Pullman uh, in the parking lot. 630 Northeast Valley Road is an apartment complex that houses WSU students. Officer Whiteman, uh, or Whitman, I'm sorry, also ran to the car, ran the car and it returned to Coburger from Washington with a Washington tag. I reviewed Koberger's Washington State driver's license information and photograph. This license indicates that Koberger is a white male height of six foot, weighs 185 pounds. Additionally, the fo- photograph of Koberger shows that he has bushy eyebrows. Koberger's physical description is consistent with the description of the male DM saw inside the King Road residence on November 13th. So he has bushy eyebrows and uh, he's about the same height and weight, right? That's basically what you- you know, six foot male, 185 pounds. How many of those do you think are in this two city area? Me, <laughs> you know,
0: I man.
1: what's that? Big Blue, I didn't hear you. What's that?
2: I would say for that type of car would be a few of them.
1: Don't don't forget the um, M- uh, Moscow Police Department put out there that there was twenty two thousand vehicles in the area that matched the description of the white Elantra, which was insane. Uh, Further investigation included a review of Latahau County Sheriff Deputy Corporal Duke's body cam and reports show that on August 21st, 2022, Brian Koberger was detained as part of a traffic stop that occurred in Moscow, Idaho. Give me one second. John O'Rourke, $20 Super Chat. Thank you so much, man. We appreciate that. He goes, sheath theory doesn't catch my eye. It was barely mentioned and DNA was located on the sheath button. What DNA type, blood, skin? If skin, a DA could tear that theory apart. Could could the weapon fit the sheath that uh, fit in that sheath found? <clears throat> if the glove don't fit, you must have quit. So, <laughs> well,
0: they haven't found uh, a weapon. Yeah,
1: they. I don't think they have. I don't think they found a weapon. But you're you're right. I don't know what type of uh, DNA was left on the uh, on the sheath. I'm also. It doesn't seem like anything else was found. Any other DNA was found in the house. No fingerprints or anything. That would make you believe that it's possibly wearing gloves. He was probably wearing the gloves when he um, took the weapon out of the sheath. Uh, you Ooh. would assume that that would have rubbed off some DNA, partial DNA, put DNA on it. What was ever on that glove? You know, just or, to say, uh, go ahead. Or, or unless they found the shoes that he had yeah that's possible too that's possible too let's let's see we'll go for it. further investigation include a review all right i'm sorry about that uh all right so at that time koberger who was a sole occupant was driving a white 2015 hyundai elantra pennsylvania plate lfz 8649 which was set up to expire november 30 2022 so <clears throat> when he changed it we we looked at the date of the changing of the license plate of it being November. 8, I think it was like 18, five days after the incident. He changed his license plates from uh, uh, Pennsylvania to, Nova- uh, to Washington. They were due to expire at that time. So it's not something that is that fishy. You know what I'm saying? Uh,
2: to me, it is. Why spend a couple hundred dollars to switch them over to a different state? I mean, now You just have to pay a renewal fee. You're trying to hide.
1: When do you think that he, um, that he set this date? He knew he was going to get his license plates afterwards.
2: I don't know. I mean, so, it, it does, they, they they did track him, stalking them like a, 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 about twelve times.
0: Maybe. So too big of a coincidence, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Let's see. Let's let's continue. During the stop, which was recorded via law enforcement body cam. Koberger provided his phone number as um, 854, uh, 8458, I'm sorry, hereafter as 8458 phone. And his cellular telephone number, investigators conducted an electronic database queries and learned that the 8458 phone number is issued by AT&T. On October 14, Brian Koberger was detained as part of a traffic stop by... A uh, WSU police officer, upon revealing that body cam footage, reported that Cooper was sole occupant driving the 2015 Honda Elantra with the license plates on November 18th, according to Washington state license. And so the reason why they're putting this on there is they're trying to show that he is the one that's always driving this vehicle, that somebody else wasn't driving it. You know what I'm saying? That's why that's in there, that he's the uh, sole occupant. He's not lending his vehicle out. But. You know, you're looking at two instances in two months span. That's a small sample size to try to prove anything. Let me see. And, you know, if it was uh, DNA or touch DNA, will it make a difference? Yeah, because you can get touch DNA on a lot of things. I could rub up against somebody's arm and um, my DNA is now on that person's arm. And let's just say it was on a jacket. If uh, that person's wearing gloves, grabs that part of that jacket, and then grabs that sheath, then my DNA just transferred from my arm to his jacket to that sheath. It's very you, easy for such I'll tell DNA you, to
2: a transfer. Crazy story that I just heard and saw. It's about a uh, Walmart employee, mm-hmm. overnight stalker. Um, she got a call one day randomly from the police, asking where she was on a certain day, because her fingerprint was found on a vase. You know one stayed away on a certain night but it's because she was unloading the boxes and her fingerprint was on the box. Huh. she was at work the night the incident happened yeah so she had proof where she was but her fingerprint stayed on there for that long and that thing supposedly had been sold like two months prior you know so dna yeah. stick on stuff for a while
1: yeah exactly and DNA will stick on things for a while, and it can be transferred from one place to another very easily. Uh, you look at the JonBenet Ramsey case; they found so much DNA on there. But you know, the, the the underwear that she was using was a cousin's that was related to hers. There could be DNA from as far back as the people that were fabricating the clothes and and things of that nature, and uh, you know, just from workers and and people that work at the businesses that which where they purchased these items. Uh, especially if they were brand new and not washed things like that so touch dna can get transferred very easy if it's touch dna i think these guys don't have much of a case
0: yeah if it's if it's blood then that's a different story
1: right if it's blood that's a different story if it's a fingerprint Mm. um because he pushed down on the button and then you know they, they got the fingerprint and they got the dna because of the touch dna on there that's 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 also a different story. But don't yeah. say that. It says that there was DNA on there. If it's yeah, touch DNA, that's that's that can be easily explained.
0: I kind of fear like, you know, it has a the sheath itself has like a loop and so you can put it on your your belt, right?
1: But sometimes
0: right. sometimes like you have it on there, you know, because sometimes I carry a, a, a knife and sometimes when you're driving it, it bothers you, it pokes you in the side. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, so I take it off sometimes. I'll take off that the the knife from my from my from my belt because it bothers me. Maybe that was right. the case here. Took yeah. it off, went in there, did what he had to do, totally forgot about it. Right. You
1: know I and mean? yeah. and people are saying the DNA was 99.9998 his. I'm not saying that the DNA wasn't his. My, what I'm saying is it's very easy to get his DNA or anybody's DNA on a lot of things, especially if it's just touch DNA. Touch DNA can be transferred very easily by a Number of very different easy ways. Skin cells are shedding constantly. Those can shed on somebody's arm, and in just the same manner, you know, you brisk by somebody in the wrong way, um, DNA falls on you. You grab your your shoulder or your your arm where you brushed up against somebody. Your hand now carries part of that DNA as well. And so, uh, DNA is not what's the word I'm looking for. A lot of folks see like CSI and, and and all these things on TV and oh, they got him with the DNA. It's not that solid. It's got to be blood. It's got to be uh, unexplainable. Like that's why when I mentioned it before, when, you know, before the probable cause David came out and they talked about the DNA matching, I, I assumed that it had to have been blood or something that was maybe perhaps um, like a hair in between the bodies. If the bodies were on top of each other, that's kind of hard to explain. But even at that, you can kind of walk near somebody and a piece of hair can come off and Following somebody's shirt, um, you know. I, I, I don't know about you guys, but um, how many times have you guys, you know, when you've been with a significant other, you find hair and in, in weird places? It, it just happens. You know what I'm saying? I, I plead the fifth. <laughs> and so, um, we'll continue with this. All right. So, yeah, that, best-
2: I agree with a lot of y'all. I think I think it's him because the phone pings it tracks him there, but. We'll see. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, well, I want to see like the phone pings are it depends on how accurate they are. You know what I'm saying? This isn't a big city. This Mm -hmm. really isn't. And um, I'm curious to see how, you know, what kind of pings that they used and and the technology behind that and things of that nature. I just see a lot of weird things in this PCA. Like, for instance, they're pushing a lot that they suspect that, you know, they saw this vehicle traveling up this road. They saw this vehicle, they believe, exited this road. And yet later on, they contradict that with the pings from the cellular device that put him somewhere else. And it just it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense to me. And I don't understand why it it, it should make sense. This should be easy to easy to follow. And it's not. It really isn't. Okay, so investigators believe that Kohlberger is still driving the 2015 launcher because his vehicle was captured on December 13th by a license plate reader in Loma, Colorado, provided by a query at, at, to a database. Koberger's Elantra was then queried on December 15 by law enforcement in Hancock in County, Indiana. On December 16, 2022, at approximately 226, surveillance video showed Koberger's Elantra in Albrightsville, Pennsylvania. The sole occupant of the vehicle was a white male whose description was consistent with Koberger. But his dad was with him throughout that entire time. We know he wasn't the sole occupant of that vehicle because of the police stops. OK, Koberger has his family in Albright's, Pennsylvania, learned through TLO search and, and a locate tool database query. Based on the information provided on the WSU website, Koberger is a current currently a Ph.D. student in criminology at Washington State Uni- University, pursuant to records provided by a member of the interview panel. Pursuant to records provided by a member of the interview panel for Pullman Police Department, we learned that Koberger's past education included undergraduate degrees in psychology and cloud-based forensics. These records show Koberger wrote an essay when he applied for an internship with the Pullman Police Department uh, in the fall of 2022. So he had applied to to work with the Pullman Police Department. Koberger wrote in his essay that he had interest in assisting rural law enforcement agencies with how to better collect and analyze technological data and public safety operations. Where was the car parked by on house on the King Road? Thank you so much for your uh, I think that's twenty dollars. This is DKK. Thank you. We appreciate you. And I'll let you know, we suspect based on what they said was. um, Sounded like he parked right in front of the house or parked uh, along the side here. My assumption is if he came through the back glass door, he probably parked right here. But they say they saw him doing like some U-turns and a bunch of other things right around here in front of the house. And so but it doesn't doesn't say they actually see where he did park at. All right. So this guy here was interested in assisting law enforcement agencies with how to better collect and analyze technological data in public safety operations. What do you think that means? What do you think that means, mean? You're muted. What was that? What do you think that means? That he was—he uh, uh, had a—you know—he wanted to help collect and analyze technological data in public safety operations.
0: Wanted to collect the. I know. Um, I know he was trying to be a cop, right? At one point
1: well he was a security guard at a school and i think he was trying to be like um uh, maybe perhaps a what's what i'm like like a therapist slash psychologist for the criminal mind to assist in in that criminal aspect of it but here he wanted to help in technological data
0: i I think he just wanted to put his hands on a little bit of everything you know get some knowledge from every aspect yeah i think that's what it was i mean you're going to go through criminology and you're going to have to, you know, find out what you're, you're going to be in for, you know, hmm. this is the career
1: for sure, for sure. And so uh, it talks about the survey that he posted on Reddit and it can be found in an open search source internet search and asked the participants to provide information, understand how emotional psychology traits, influence decision-making when committing a crime. Okay. I mean, he was majoring in psychology and criminology. Those were things, and we talked about it when we went through the survey questions. You know, is this a, a guy that's getting too close, or are these questions that you would expect a psychologist trying to study somebody who's doing a crime um, to have? Uh, you know, you would expect him to to be asking these questions. You know what I'm saying? And so Jeff H goes, "BK is a Paul Blart." <laughs> Thank you for the two dollars super chat. We appreciate that. He's a uh, yeah, he's a mall cop. That's basically what he's saying. All right. So let's read on. It says as part of this investigation, law enforcement obtained search warrants to determine the cellular devices that utilize cellular towers in, in close proximity to the King Road residence on November 13th, between 3 a.m. and 5 a.m. After determining that Koberger was associated with both the 2015 Elantra and the 8458 phone investigators reviewed the search warrant returns. A query of 8458 phone and these returns did not show the 8458 phone, utilizing cellular tower resources in close proximity to the King Road residence between 3 a.m. and 5 a.m. So it wasn't there, or the phone was off, right? So it's based on my training and experience conversation with law enforcement officers, that specialize in utilization of cellular phone records. As part of investigation, individuals can either leave their cellular phone at a different location before committing a crime or turn their cellular phone off prior to the location to commit the crime. This is done by subjects in an effort to avoid alerting law enforcement that the cellular device associated with them was in the particular area where the crime is committed. I also know that numerous occasions subjects will surveil an area where they intend to commit a crime prior to the date of the crime. Depending on the circumstances, this could be done a few days or for several months prior to the commission of the crime. During these types of surveillance, it is possible that an individual would not leave their cellular phone at a separate location or turn it off since they did not plan to commit the offense on that particular day. So basically what they're trying to do is put um, that this was premeditated. and he turned off his phone because he knew he was going to go commit a crime. And, you know, he either put it on on airplane mode or, or you know, left it somewhere or turned it off completely. Do you think of uh,
0: the planned uh, trip from his dad was planned like that was part of the plan?
1: No, I think they uh, put out there that it was reported that he had uh, that they had planned for that trip. Now, maybe he committed this crime uh, knowing that he was going to go on this. Trip. Yeah. yeah. And knowing also that you know Thanksgiving holidays were coming. There was going to be a lot of holidays in between. You know, this was a um, a town where you had a lot of movement, meaning that you had college kids coming in and out, going back home, a lot of people from out of town leaving. Um, and so, you know, the timing in which he did it, it, it would make sense. Yeah. So it goes on December 23rd, 2022 pursuant to the search warrant, I received records of the 8458 phone from AT&T. These records indicated that 8458 phone is subscribed to Brian Kohlberger and an address in Brightsville, Albrightsville, Pennsylvania. And that the account had been open since June 23rd, 2022. These records included historical site location information for the phone after receiving this information, I consulted the FBI special agent that is certified member of the cellular analyst survey team. The members of CAST are certified with the FBI to provide expert testimony in the field of historical blah blah blah. Let's see. This is just all talking about 15 years and long. This is just their 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 credibility. All right. So their credits. On November 13, at approximately 2:42 a.m., the 842 was utilized using the cell phone. Uh, resource provided the coverage to 1630 Northeast Valley Road, Apartment G20, G201, Pullman, Washington. Therefore, after the uh, Colbert residence at approximately 2:47, the 840, 8, uh, 8458 uh, phone utilizes cellular resources that provided coverage southeast of Colbert's residence, consistent with the uh, 8458 phone leaving the Colbert residence and traveling south through Pullman, Pullman Washington. And so this says that at approximately 247, right? So this is way after all that, uh, the, the, the car that they, they showed video that they have going up. Uh, hold on, let me answer this real quick. John comes out to the FBI instructing the Indianapolis to pull BK over that could legal to major legal issues. Thoughts? Um Yes and no. You, you They can tell somebody to like, hey, we have eyes on this guy. Can you you know, identify them and and do those type of things. But there still has to be a uh, probable cost to do the stop. If they just pulled them over for no reason, then, um, yeah, you're looking at some some possible legal issues there. uh, Mm -hmm. That is um, unlawful stop and search things of that nature. uh, Unlawful detainment. And not only that, like if they would have found anything during that, that would have been um, product of Mm -hmm. fruit of the poisonous tree meaning that anything would have been found, would have been thrown out and wouldn't have been used in court. Yep. However, I think they were just trying to identify where he was going and supposedly look at his hands. Uh, and so if it comes to find that his hands had some sort of damage to them or, or cuts or whatever the case may be, um, and that stop is not legal, like, for instance, in the state of Texas, you can't pull somebody over for driving too close. It is an offense. But it's only an offense after the fact, meaning that they were driving too close and caused an accident because they were driving too close. Then it could be a uh, it could be it's a citeable offense at that point. But if nobody crashes, it is not illegal to to tailgate somebody that close. It's just what it is now. The laws in Idaho could be different. I mean, in Indiana, it's quite possible. And so. Let's see. So this says that at 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 two forty two that he was using his phone and it pinged there at his house at at 247. Uh, It was consistent with him traveling south through Pullman, Washington. However, they have a video of a vehicle that is matching their description. And I'm assuming it is also not having a, uh, a front license plate, because that is the one identifier that they've been able to identify that they suspect that this is Brian's because it has Pennsylvania license plates traveling north on southeast nevada street from stadium at 244. those two things kind of contradict don't you think
0: yeah i mean uh, like, like this like any of other uh um, probable cause affidavit um although all the information is not gonna
1: be there you know what i mean so no i but but based on this information they have him at his house at 242 and then driving or leaving his house, traveling south, right, at 247. But at 244, they have a vehicle matching the description of the one that they see later on in in Moscow, Idaho, traveling north on, on Nevada Street, on Southeast Nevada Street from Stadium. And so what I'm saying is, is this the same vehicle that is traveling uh, that, you know, he's driving south. Is that the same vehicle that's traveling north at the same time south of where he's at?
0: Well, uh, just a the description, It could be another car, but
1: unless they right. have
0: like, the, the, the license plate itself.
1: Right. And I I don't think so, because they would have put on there that they had the license plate. What they have is they have a description of a vehicle later on at in throughout the night that's traveling around uh, the area of the victim's house between a certain time and then leaving and that that vehicle is a 2011 and 2016 Elantra without a front license plate. The only identifying part of that car that they're pointing out is that it does not have a front license plate. And so how, how unique is that if there's another white Hyundai Elantra without the front license plate traveling, northbound on Southeast Nevada street at the same time that he's pinged over here and then pinged traveling south through Pullman, not north. So then that tells me there's at least one other vehicle that's driving out there that doesn't have this front license plate in the vicinity. And if I was his attorney, that's exactly what I would be bringing up right now. Does that make sense to you guys? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay. So I mean, like, if, I mean, like I said, like if they had, uh, the license plate you know what i mean on, like, on that specific car and there wouldn't be it wouldn't be an issue
1: all Right. all right and so yeah they never ran his license what i'm not saying that is what i'm saying is they have a description of a white honda elantra without a front license plate they say that brian's white honda elantra doesn't have a front license plate because it's pennsylvania and pennsylvania doesn't have a front license plate, don't, doesn't require it, them having a front license plate. One thing that I didn't notice too, is when um, the affidavit states that the WSU police officer that went and found his found his vehicle and ran his license plates, was that after the 18th when he changed his plates? It may have been, I think it said Washington plates. So yeah, all right, no way to confirm if that it had the front plate or not cuz just because it's you know not required in Pennsylvania to have a front license plate doesn't mean that he he didn't have a front license plate you know what i'm saying and so let's go through this again all right so at approximately 247 you, the the south it covers the southeast Coburgers' residence consistent with the a fifty-four phone leaving the Coburg residence and traveling south through Pullman, Washington. This is consistent with the movement of the white Elantra. I don't see how that is. At approximately two forty-seven, the eighty-four fifty-eight phone stops reporting uh, reporting to the network, which is consistent with either the phone being in the in an area without cell coverage. The connection to the network is disabled, such as putting the phone in airplane mode where the phone is turned off. Uh, the 8458 phone does not report to the network again until approximately 4.48 a.m., at which time it utilizes cellular resources that provide coverage to Idaho State, 95 south of Moscow, uh, Idaho, near Blaine, Idaho, north of Genesee. So at 4.48, his phone is returned on right here. There's Blaine. This is Moscow, 95 north of Genesee. So somewhere between here is where it turns back on at 4.48 in the morning. My question is, why even put this that, you know, why put this here uh, that he exited here because this road over here leads to Pullman when they know he he was down here? Like, I don't understand that aspect of why they keep putting that in here. That seems like they're just trying to. I don't like the way that I don't like the way that sounds. What do you think, Blue?
2: Uh, I think, um, I'm not sure how much difference of mileage the paintings are, but um, uh, maybe it is closer. I mean, it's not too far of a distance from each other.
1: So sometimes oh, he goes they're... further down. He goes further down now. Right. And yeah, he, he goes, yeah, he goes, Uh, then he goes um, between 4.50 and 5.26 a.m. And so it doesn't say at what time or what order, but between those times, the phone utilizes cellular resources that are consistent with the phone traveling south on Idaho State 95 to Genesee, and then traveling west towards Unionton, Idaho, and then north back to Pullman, Idaho at approximately 5.38 a.m. The phone is utilizing resources to provide coverage to Pullman, Washington, and is consistent with the phone traveling back to Goldberger's residence. So...
2: But all in total, when you do the map directions, it tells you, what, like 30-minute drive, 20-something-minute drive? Mm-hmm. Without traffic. So, I mean, he's still he's still in the vicinity. 30 no, I get drive.
1: it. No, I get it. What I'm saying is, so what they're saying is that this guy left. Here's my gripe and complaint about this. I think this. he
2: went to go to decompress. And then maybe find, if there's any bridges with water on that path that he went, mm. I would search them for a knife. No, but right uh, now, it's frozen, or if it's winter, it might be frozen over. You ain't going to be able to get in there until summer or spring.
1: Right. And so what I'm saying is, here, here are the parts that bug me. Is They have a video, the video of the vehicle that they feel is, is the suspect vehicle traveling westbound right here on, on 700 Indian Hills. And it's traveling towards the vicinity of the house, right? It stays in this area and passes uh, three times between 329 and uh, 420. At 420, it is seen leaving at a high rate of speed, going southbound on Valencia Drive. Uh, at 404 is when the vehicle passes for the fourth time. And then does this uh, weird U-turn and attempts to park. And then at 420, it's seen taken off, right? Now, that's what they know. They put on there that they assume that he exited this area because this road here leads to Pullman. And then they put here at 5 o'clock that that they see a vehicle traveling this direction, heading back towards... um, towards uh, Kohlberger's residence at 526 a.m. And they find this suspicious because this road is connected to this road, which is the one that goes all the way towards Moscow and exits this area. So what they're trying to say or speculate or put in our mind is that the suspect left here, traveled here and went straight to Pullman. That's that's what they're saying. However, the times don't make sense because if he left at 420, It don't take an hour and six minutes to get over here. Right now. My thing is, why even put all this stuff about this road? If it's pretty obvious, he never traveled down that road. Right. If he if his when his phone turns back on at 448 and he's down here. Why? Why even bring up that there's a possibility of him traveling down this road during that time? It doesn't make any sense to me. And so he traveled down this road. Uh, I don't understand why he would even turn on his phone at this point while he's still in this area. But, you know, he's not a genius, as many people think he is. Uh, then he turned down from there's Genesee and he turned towards Uniontown. And then uh, now I have.
2: You forgot the sleeve with the knife at the crime scene. He's not a genius.
1: No. No, if if he actually left it there, and so um, they 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 catch him using the or they get him using the cell service at approximately five thirty a.m. Four minutes after he's already in town. My assumption is if he's using or utilizing Pullman cell services, uh, it might be pinging outside of Pullman. You know. It's not going to be once you're in directly there. You're going to be kind of in the outskirts. Now, from here to do this, travel back up here to get back here by five thirty. Let's let's look it up. So this is from um, this is from the victim's residence to Uniontown. It's twenty two minutes. And then from Uniontown back to his address, which doesn't go up that road, uh, he would have to have gone through these back roads through Busby uh, to end up um, coming in this direction. If this is him, he would have been coming through Busby and up this direction, not 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 through um, that route. But it says it's about 22 minutes, so. That's about 40, 45 minutes at 420, 40 minutes here. That's, yeah, there's about 20 minutes missing there. I think he, uh, he used that 20 minutes to dispose something. What do you guys think? Yeah, I think so too, man,
2: so, yeah. Yeah, I gave him a little bit of time to drive through the woods and find the place to yeah. dump it. Yeah. Now, one thing that everybody I see in the chat saying that his car was so dirty and. He never cleaned it. Well, we had a winter storm here in Texas a while back, and I had washed my car the day before. And it does get dirty from snow and ice, so that that can happen in a few days.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean that, and he's on the he's on the road. If if he went through anything that was rain or or mud or anything like that throughout that time, then it's gonna pick up. The interior of his car looked pretty clean uh, from the looks of the uh, from that dashboard, but. So. If it took him, it took him 22 minutes, 24 minutes, and if he left at 420, this is an hour and six minutes, there's about half an hour there that's missing. Maybe a little bit less, you know what I'm saying? Like 20, 25 minutes, that's missing. I wonder why.
2: I mean, we'll find out in about what they said, two weeks is the first hearing and it's
1: between. Yeah. And I think the missing time is between here and and around here. Between here and here is where the missing time is. Because look, it took him 28 minutes to get to where Blaine is, where it was only 25 minutes to get to Unionton. You get know what I'm saying? And so the missing time is in between here and the time he turned on that phone at Blaine. Does that make sense to you guys?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, the thing is, like you said, uh, the missing time will be from when he left town through the first ping, right?
1: Right, right. Yeah, because that only puts it says that he was traveling on ninety five and south uh, Idaho ninety five. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know where Blaine is, and it turned on at about 4.50. He, that's 4.30 to, I mean, 4.20 to 4.50. That's 30 minutes. However, let me see that. I just pull this back up. From there to Union 10 is 22 minutes. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. So that doesn't make sense. That doesn't make sense at all. I, he's, we're, it took him Longer to get from, you know, halfway to Unionton than it would have to gone straight there. I think there's something out here, guys.
0: Yeah, I'm pretty sure they're already looking through it. Yeah, it's so, a big
1: area, though, man. They, it's going to be on hard the to find.
0: You don't have a haystack,
1: dude. Yep, it sure is. It sure is. And, you know, like I said, I'm not saying that this guy is innocent or, or, or guilty. You know, I presume innocence. You know, everybody's innocent until, until proven guilty. Um, I, I I find the, the 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 knife, the sheaf, whatever the holder, yeah, that's suspect, man. And then you know, it's not just that; it's also adding uh, Dylan's comments and statement along with it.
2: Yeah, because you know what, one thing that got me like weird, I just saw a national news report about it. You know, it said that she saw the guy coming down the stairs. Maybe he didn't see her. That could be true. But she was in shock to where she waited about seven and a half, eight hours to call, you know, finally find out what actually happened. And, uh, which, you know, if she was in shock because he thought it was a, a murder, then I would have probably called 911 right away. If it's a party house, you know, people come party. They leave at certain times. And I would say, oh, it's just one of the, you know, the girls hooked up with somebody tonight. He walked out. But to to say that she was in shock, that's what throws me off.
1: Yeah. The other thing that throws me off is in the morning, she didn't even call the police then. She called her friends. Yeah. Somebody called friends.
0: If she said she was in shock, frozen in shock, then she obviously knew something was wrong, right? Right.
2: Because you only go in shock if you have fear. Like, If you have fear for something that's going to happen to you, you go in shock. I don't, you know, if it's a party house, there's going to be a lot of people coming in at my house. You're going to get in shock every time you see somebody outside your bedroom door, especially if it's a party house. And, you know, that one time we saw the the, the police cam video, there was quite a few people at the house and nobody lived at the house. It's not shocking to see strangers at that house. So that's yeah. what throws me off, you know.
1: Yeah. I just saw something pretty interesting. We'll, we'll read about that real quick. It says, further review indicated that the 8458 phone utilized cellular services on November 13th that are consistent with the phone, leaving the area of the Coburg residence at approximately nine, traveling to Moscow, specifically the 8458 phone utilized cellular resources that would provide coverage to the King Road residents at 9.12 a.m. Man, it only took him 12 minutes the next morning and 9.21 a.m. To get there, he was driving quick. It's a 20 some odd minute drive. He cut that thing in half. Uh, the 8458 phone utilized cell service that was consistent with the 84 traveling back to the area of Coburg's residence, arriving at approximately 932. So according to this, he he left home at nine, um, went to the King Road residence, turned around and went back home the next day before uh, the 911 call came through. That's pretty suspicious. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Oh, what yeah. Mean. Well, how, let me ask you this, um, Danny. How how accurate is the
1: the cell phone pings? It depends on how many how many cell towers you have out there. Uh, in a rural area, it may not be so. Further south, you get from Moscow, it might be kind of difficult to to, to exactly mm-hmm. ping him. And this this has a uh, it's hard to tell, but this is the possible route. Uh, based on the cellular device. And this is the route that I'm telling you guys that it went all the way around. Mm hmm. Uh...
2: And I'm not, I'm not, I just saw something on there. I'm not victim. I mean, I just, to me, that's what triggers my mind to think think I keep getting two reports. You know what I mean? well,
1: Here's an interesting thing. Uh, investigators found that the 8458 phone did connect to a cell phone tower that uh, provides service to Moscow on November 14, 14th. But investigators do not believe that that phone was in Moscow on that date. So then how accurate are these damn pings? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, you're right. How accurate are these pings? Investigators found that the phone did connect to a cell phone tower providing service to Moscow, on November fourteenth, but investigators do not believe the phone was in Moscow on that date. Yeah. So who is so, that too? Like, the eighty-four phone is not connected to any towers that provide service to Moscow since that date. Ah. Uh, And this just says here that the uh, the phone was not reporting a phone reporting to between is consistent with him attempting to conceal his location. It's uh, kind of doesn't say anything there. On the 23rd of December, I was granted a search warrant for Colbert's historical from June 23rd to current uh, to current prospect of location information. Pen register, trap, and trace on eighty-four fifty-eight phone to aid efforts to determine if Coburg stalked any of the victims in the case prior to the offense. Conducted surveillance on King Road residence was in contact with any of the victims associated before, or after the alleged offense. Any locations that may contain evidence in the in the situation that occurred on November 13, twenty twenty-two, the location of the white Elantra registered Coburg, as well as location of Coburg Coburger on December twenty-third. Pursuant to the search warrant I received historical. Records for the phone from AT&T at the time of the account opened in June 2022. After consulting with CAST SA, I was able to determine the estimated locations for 8458 phone uh, from June 2022 to present time period Period authorized by court. These records for the uh, phone show that the phone utilizing cellular resource provide coverage for the area of 120 1122 King Road on at least 12 occasions prior to the November 13th. 2022. All these occasions, except for one, occurred in the late evening or early morning hours of their respective days. One of these occasions on August 21st, uh, the phone utilized cell research providing coverage for the King Road residents at approximately 1034 p.m. to 1135. So this is saying that he was out there for about an hour. Approximately 1137, Koberger was stopped by Lataha County. Uh, Sheriff's Deputy Corporal Duke, has mentioned above. So they're saying that they pulled him over. He was in the area. Uh, They pulled him over two minutes after he left the area. And this is where they pulled him over. This is the citation location in August, heading back towards Moscow. That's not really the area.
0: That's a pretty distance away.
1: And it's on the highway. Yeah. We have the citation for that. And so um, further analysis of cellular data showed that the phone utilized resources. Uh, know, further analysis of the cellular data provided showed that 8458 phone utilized cellular resource on November 13, consistent with the phone traveling from Pullman, Washington to Lewiston, Idaho via 195 at approximately 12.36 p.m. The phone utilized solar resource would provide coverage to Kate's Cup of Joe coffee located at 810 Port Drive in Clarkston, West Virginia. Surveillance footage from the U.S. Chef's store located at 82, 820 Port Drive, Carlston, Washington. Adjacent to Katie's Cup of Joe showed a white launcher consistent with the vehicle one uh, drive past Katie's Cup of Joe at the consistent time with the solar data. At approximately 1246, uh, the phone then utilized cellular data in the area to Albertson's Grocery Store at 400 Bridge Street in Clarkson, Washington. Surveillance footage obtained by Albertson showed Koberger exit the white Elantra consistent with the vehicle Suspect 1. At approximately 1249, the interior surveillance showed camera Koberger walking throughout the store, purchase unknown items at the checkout, leave approximately 104. Koberger's possible path traveled potato below is not scale. So he was out and about the next day as if nothing or that day as if nothing happened. Additional analysis of the records of the phone indicated that between approximately 532 and 536 the phone utilized cellular resources that provide coverage to Johnson, Idaho. The 8458 phone then stops reporting network from approximately 536 to 830 PM. That is consistent with the phone being in the area. And the phone traveled in the hours immediately following the suspect, Kurt. So this says that he went back to the area of Johnson, Idaho, the next day. Which was, um, where was it? I had seen it somewhere around here. Right here. It's not, see, it's not even in Idaho. That's in Washington.
2: Jeffrey eight said, "What percent is a lot of intel that they're not sharing on the PCA? I'm pretty sure there's quite a bit of intel that they're not sharing. They can't share it all.
1: No, they can't. On December 27th, Pennsylvania agents recovered trash from Coburger family residence in Alberts. Thank you so much for the two dollar. There's there's probably about I would say sixty percent that's not shared in the uh, PCA uh, at least. There's there's probably quite a bit of information." Um, you know, locations of where the bodies were and things of that nature. There's there's quite a bit. Okay. Um, they were trash from the family. That evidence was sent to the Idaho State Lab on December 28th. The Idaho State Lab reported the DNA profile obtained from the trash DNA profile obtained from the sheath, identified as male as not being excluded as the biological father of the suspect profile. At least 99.99998% of the male population would be expected to be excluded from the possibility of being the suspect's biological father. So they basically got his dad's DNA and were able to train it back to him. Based on that information, requesting a search and arrest warrant for Brian C. Koberger. Eleven twenty one ninety-four. 94 and he did this around his birthday too. Burger. Yeah. And that's going to be it for that.
2: I just want to uh, put out there, you know, um, I think that the, the cops were looking for a conviction, so they have enough for a conviction. They have enough to put him away. Um, but Dylan is also a victim. She lost four good friends. You know? But I just want to hear her story when in court, you know, see what... Uh, cause I, You know, being shocked create hours is kind of crazy for me. But if she wasn't in shock, she just thought it was a guy walking out, you know, from, you know, hanging out with some girls. Then, you know, it happens.
1: Yeah, but the thing is, if she was in shock, then she must have assumed, like, like, if you see somebody walking and you assume that that's just somebody hanging out with with your friends, you're not going into shock. You get what I'm saying? You're only yeah. going in the shock if you're assuming that the worst. You're hearing crying, you're hearing noises. There's a dog barking upstairs because that's audit. That's been proven. That's on the audible, on the audio thing. You know, what we do know is that this person, there was no sign of forced entry. I believe that's what mm-hmm. that was was reported early on. Yeah. And, um, you know, it was the back. Was it just unlocked the back sliding glass door? Did he just leave it on? Did they just leave it unlocked? And that's how he entered? Or because uh, if it was locked, then you would have had to have broken it or done something. Then there's force entry at that point. Yeah. And so. There's a lot of questions on this one. Um, Was it unlocked? You know, her actions are, are are odd now. She or somebody that lived there, maybe it was Bethany that called the friends in the morning. It mm-hmm. just said that one of the roommate did, right?
0: Yeah, that's it. Yeah, they didn't who it was. I
1: just... I mean, even if you're in shock, you're able to, you know, she was able to lock the door and go, you know, do, you know, sit in her bed or whatever, go to sleep. Like, you don't think she could, even if she couldn't talk, just call 911?
0: I mean, she opened the door three separate times. Mm-hmm. And she Open was in the away. doors.
1: Yeah. She
0: just fled awake. I don't know. If there's people saying that she might have been on drugs, but I don't know about that. It's just rumors we have. Yeah, really
2: we'll find out when he goes to court. See what she uh, she tells the court.
0: Yeah, and yet, just-
1: yeah. Squash Go ahead.
2: also squash became a member earlier. In the- there Thank in you, the squash.
1: Back the back door could not be locked, from what I heard. You know, yeah. I saw pictures of the back door, and they looked like there was something uh, like part of the door was missing, like as if it had broken at one point. And, you know, the thing is, there's some aerial footage of of the house and there's stools back there blocking that sliding door from opening. Now, I would I would really hope the police didn't put that there, but you don't usually use part of the scene to secure the scene. You know, if this guy walked out of the back of the, uh, you know, the glass door, as this as Dylan indicated, uh, after committing this crime to four people, I would assume he's probably uh, perspiring, he's sweating, he could be bleeding, could be injured. You know, that DNA, that sweat, whatever, particles, hair, any of those things could fall on on one of those stools. And if you use that to secure the scene, then you just contaminated that evidence. And so I don't I find it hard to believe that. Sorry about that. I found that hard to believe that. Um, that the police put that there. Yeah, um, well, Who did? I, I
0: don't know, but if he exited out there, they wouldn't be there. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Because I, I did also hear that the locking mechanism wasn't working from the sliding door uh, earlier, early on. Um, I, I assumed that the that the tenants, you know what I mean, put it there, put those uh, stools mm. to secure the, the door from sliding open during the night. But if that's the case, then he didn't go through that. Or they put it afterwards. You know what I mean? After he, the suspect left. Yeah.
1: Do you, do you think there couldn't be forced entry because he was allowed in?
0: Or yeah. either that or they left
1: the front door open. Well, the DoorDash guy got there at the same time. See, here, yeah. here's, what I, here's my assumption. My assumption is the DoorDash guy gets there. Uh, Zana and Ethan go downstairs to get their food. This is around the time this guy enters and goes upstairs
0: mm-hmm. and
1: confronts Maddie and, Kay- and, and Kaylee. Mm-hmm. Um, she hears DM. Let's just say Dylan is saying the truth. She hears what sounds like Kaylee playing with the dog in one of the upstairs rooms, which you don't think she would have thought that would have been odd that Kaylee was playing with the dog. Like Kaylee's room was right above hers. Don't you Mm -hmm. think she could have tell would have been able to tell that if she was playing with the dog in her room and somebody else's room upstairs? I mean, I would assume that if it was in her room she would have been able to hear pretty loudly.
2: I mean, but was was she drinking? Was she impaired? Also, you know, it's hard to tell, you know.
1: Yeah, yeah, you're right.
2: The defense team can use, you know.
1: I think you do go ahead.
2: If she was impaired, how'd she know they had bushy eyebrows? So we'll
0: see.
1: Matt and Duke, the instructor, thank you very much for your five dollar super chat. Thank you, you know, he says that they're there and she just goes back to sleep. It's 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 weird and yeah. like,
0: well, maybe, maybe, uh um, um didn't heard the dog like scratching at the door because I remember that the dog was in that room, locked in the room,
1: it was in a room locked and, um, apparently yeah. it was barking and maybe then that you that could.
0: Maybe that was what she was hearing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean, that's possible. Not, not actually, Katie playing with her, but the dog just trying to you know, scratch shut the door or whatever.
1: John Orrick says, "If DM is innocent, she always blames herself no matter out the outcome. of innocent, there's no. one that's in there. That not not entirely. I don't think there was anything that she could have done. But the time, the time she looked out and like let's just say she is innocent in this and didn't do anything, which you know the police don't suspect her, so she probably is." Um, the crime was already committed. It sounds like the crime was being committed at the time. Um, you know, when she thought she heard, um, Kaylee playing with the dog, you know, there there's nothing that she could have done that would have stopped it. The only thing that she could have done is possibly got him caught sooner. You get what I'm saying? And so, you know, I don't think that, you know, she has anything to blame herself you know police aren't looking at her so i'm going to assume that she's innocent i'm assuming everybody's mm-hmm. innocent until proven guilty that's the yeah. presumption of innocence for one uh but you know there's just some some questionable th- aspects to this you know mm-hmm. the 911 call coming in so late friends being there beforehand and being summoned to the house first uh before the 911 call goes out um, you know, it took a somebody else in the house that wasn't a roommate using the roommate's phone to call nine one one. Yeah, like I'm, there's I'm, just I'm really
0: eager to hear that nine one one call, man.
1: Yeah, and, and and I'm I'm interested in finding out why it's not been released. That's something that is usually released mm-hmm. pretty pretty quickly.
0: Yeah, hmm. hopefully they do, and we get to to hear it and see how you know the description. Obviously, they're going to describe what they're seeing, right?
2: Yeah. So, yeah, Yeah, nobody's you know, listened to proven guilty. And there is a gag order. Yeah, they're right. I saw that uh, the judge put an order where they can't speak to any of those other victims or the families.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it's just a sad, sad situation and it's it's one that has some some turns. I mean, you know, we looked at 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 Brian as being a possible guy that was copycatting some of these um, serial offenders. You know, we looked at BTK, we look at Ted Bundy, and we look at those similarities as to what he has done. Again, we put out a video about that just yesterday, talking about those similarities. We encourage you to go watch that. You know, him asking you or telling you, or telling the uh, Kernodal that he's trying to help or something of that nature could be that T, the torture, aspect of the btk maybe he didn't do the b part the the bind or bound or whatnot yeah. but the other the other two are possible it sounds like it it, it sounds like it.
0: it could be everybody any all these criminals that do this have different you know uh, different rituals i guess you could say
1: right so it could be for sure, for sure. So, but we've gone over the two-hour mark, y'all. <laughs> it's been a long one. Yeah. Do you got? Do you guys have any uh, final statements before we let everybody go? We'll start off with you, Big Blue.
2: Uh, first, I want to say, you know, um, I'm glad they they have somebody in custody. It didn't turn into a cold case. Uh, I'm glad that families have a little bit of an answer. What possibly could have happened? Um. Hopefully the courts prevail, and you know they prove it to him, and he gets his punishment like he should. And my other thing I want to say is, you know, my prayers go out to everybody out in California. There's mm-hmm. a big storm going that way; it's flooding. Y'all be safe out there.
1: Yes, yes, we do have a big following out there in that direction. Please be safe. Um, what about you, Jaime, Any any last words?
0: No, I want to say thanks to the you know people in the chat, uh, my members uh you guys of course and i also want to say you know like this affidavit, is, we're just we're not condemning anybody or, or you know or mm. calling anyone innocent we're just trying to um you know point out some of the things that you know they can use you know uh the defense can use to poke holes so for right, sure. that's that's pretty much it um if there's more de- solid DNA, um, evidence on DNA, then that's a whole story. And, you know, I also want to see justice be served.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. And and justice be appropriate. And it's just a sad incident across the board. Our thoughts and prayers are with the victims and the families and the friends uh, of these poor innocent, you know, lives that were taken away too soon. Um, yeah, you man, know,
2: Futures ahead of him, and they were yeah, the they did. And, you know, they lost four great minds. Yeah. Mhm. It.
1: Yeah, it's um. There's going to be more to come out. Uh They had the uh, K. They had a hearing today, and um, I believe the um, they got somewhere around probably about six months. I, mean, I just remember hearing them say that you know court will have to be within six months of of the plea or or the plea of not guilty goes to the district court so we should be hearing pretty soon about this case he already has his the his um lawyer out there
0: mm-hmm. at the
1: scene and they're going to be putting up a defense for him and uh, more information is going to come out um, you
2: gotta, the, the questions that we have the defense has prosecutors have yeah so, you know we'll see how the court goes
1: for sure, for sure. But with that being said, guys, we appreciate everybody that was here. We appreciate everybody that contributed and and um, helped support the channel with the uh, super stickers and the and the and the super chats. And we appreciate all the new members. Thank you so much. Uh, Thank, you. Thank We'll be you. back on probably Monday, unless something crazy happens in between here and there. Um, we'll have a show on Monday when I get back from my travels as well. Y'all have a great night. Peace, y'all.
2: Take care, guys. Later. Peace.